Welcome to the John Harrison Podcast. Do you realize that 70% of people are disengaged at work? I don't think it's an overstatement to call that a tragedy, actually, because it affects the bottom lines of organizations, certainly, but it has a negative impact on all the people that work there, and their families, and the community at large. Nobody's talking about this. Well, on this podcast, we are going to talk about it. So welcome to the John Harrison Podcast. Today, I'm just honored to have a good friend of mine, Dean Martin, with us today. Uh, we've crossed paths uh, several times over the last few years, but Dean, welcome. Thanks for being here. And if you could just share kind of your story with everybody. Sure. Thanks for having me, John. I'm honored to be here as well. And um, like I said, we met back in 2019, but prior to that, I, I was commissioned in the United States Air Force in 1991 out of Memphis State University and then served uh, my first three years as a comm officer in the uh, Omaha Offutt Air Force Base area, and then uh, went to pilot training following that. Ended up at Little Rock Air Force Base in uh, 1997, uh, flying the mighty C-130 with the 50th Airlift Squadron there. And then after about five and a half years, moved down the street and started training students uh, in the C-130 as well. And then in 2004, um, made the decision to leave the active duty and join the Air National Guard here in Arkansas. So also co-located there at Rock Air Force Base, but I've just been very blessed uh, throughout this whole the whole time uh, in the Air National Guard. I've had the honor to uh, have, well, let's see, four different commands, awesome. um, two squadrons, uh, logistics running the squadron, our maintenance squadron, as well as uh, leading our operations group, and then in 2019 took the uh, the wing and. Uh, where the 189th Air Wing was, was responsible for training all the C-130 uh, air crew um, for the uh, DOD and, and our international partners for the H model. And so uh, I've been flying the Herc for a long time, about 6,000 hours in it, and been all over the world. And uh, just very, very, very blessed yes. to have the career I had 31, 31 years in. And about another year or so to go. And you're still smiling. I'm still smiling. Yeah. And, and I'll just say this because <clears throat> I don't get to see – uh, Dean in action a lot, but if anyone has a stereotypical view of what they think a military leader is like, I think you might change that because you're obviously very strong, confident, but one of the most people-focused leaders I've seen, and people don't always assume that that happens in the military. So I want to talk about that a little bit maybe later as we, as we start start the conversation, but we've, we've had breakfast and lunches together and lots of chats, and and one thing you've you've told me before, like in this concept of surrounding yourself with wise counsel, um, there's benefits to that in a lot of ways. So where where did that come from, so to speak? And give me examples of how you live that out. Well, the the concept stems from the Bible, yes. uh, is where it came from. And, and but you know, I've always known that I'll never be the smartest person when I walk in the room. And so if you're going to be successful, you need to have those around you that can fill in those, those areas and, and provide, you know, that wise counsel, that diversity of thought, um, and be willing to listen to them. Right. So that, uh, that's kind of what, one of the mantras I've lived by in respecting other people's opinions and views, you know, uh, just making sure that they're heard. Yes. And not only, 
and again, people might think, well, in the military, really? I thought the military just told people what to do. But but we've seen, I saw it at Caterpillar, you, you know, it's everywhere, right? There There is that style of leadership, kind of my way or the highway, do what I tell you. And that, that might work in the short term or it might work in a crisis. If you had an issue on a C-130 and you had to act immediately, <clears throat> then maybe it's not a time to get a lot of counsel and, you know, right. and different perspectives. But But what's the benefit of that? What's the benefit of that to the leader if he or she obviously goes and gets that information? Not just the actual ideas that they get from that conversation, but what about the morale and the trust of the team and that type of thing? Oh, wow. You can, you know, it's hard to encapsulate all of that yes. into words. I mean, number one, I've told my airmen I, I want them to be, feel connected, respected, and protected. Like and so that. I mentioned that over and over again. And that if they, so that respect is that hey, your view is important. It matters. Yep. Right, it matters. And, um, you know, I'm older. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of good ideas, but I recognize a good one when I hear it. Okay. <laughs> yep. And so if you, you know, our, our airmen have got those good ideas. And one of the things that we've had to really foster the military at whole and across, I'm sure, businesses is innovation. And so that, they bring those good ideas and hey there's a better way to do this there's a more efficient way to do this mm -hmm. then let's hear it you know and we have been very successful in taking those airman ideas and, and making and making it better right i love that you said that too because in our sessions we talk about the word when we talk about core values or you know guiding principles that companies have innovation is a very common a, you know, word trendy to some extent because we think of Apple and Tesla and when we, we want our company to be innovative and a lot of people would say that but if you're not if you're not getting those ideas or they get people get shut down right at some point they don't care if it says innovation up on the wall right. they're not feeling it what would you say to a leader that says well I, I understand we're supposed to get all these ideas but I, if I start asking for all these ideas I'm gonna get a bunch of them and I'm going to have to tell people that we're not going to implement some of them. And I don't want to let people down. Like, I don't want to disappoint them. So yeah. what do you say to that? I think you've got to establish an environment where you're willing to listen to them, where they can bring them to you. Because, yeah, not every one of them will be successful, right? But we talk about, hey, we've got to fail faster. Okay? We have got to, if we want to try an idea, let's try it. It's okay to fail, you know. I can't remember the saying about how many times Thomas Edison took to create the light bulb, you know, yes. right? So you've got to, got to learn to fail faster and, and those, not every idea is going to be the best, but when you hit on the ones that, that work, whoa, watch out, watch what happens then. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because people, they might have some inner voices, insecurity that says, I don't want to fail. Cause if I, if I come up with an idea and it's a dumb idea or it doesn't get implemented, that's going to look bad on me. As opposed to going, no, we keep bringing the ideas. That's what we want to. We want to foster that type of behavior. It's not about how many ideas we implemented during the year from each person. Right. I mean, it's part of it. You can measure that, but the, the measuring of that is just to get people doing it. Right. And I think today it is possible today, somewhat true, maybe with younger people that they they don't want to be told either that's not a good idea or they don't want to fail. Yeah. And I think having that trust is critical where you go to. So, and I like fail fast. Like, okay, didn't work. Yeah. Plan B. Right. Plan C. Let's go. Yeah. So diversity of thought and opinion, you mentioned that a minute mm -hmm. ago. 
Could somebody that's a new airman, a new employee that's been there for a week, could they come up with an idea that might might work? Absolutely, because it's that experience that they bring from wherever they came from that may be what you need. And, you know, you, you, diversity is not just the color of your skin, right? Of course. It's, that, it's those different thoughts, those different ideas. And the military is a microcosm of that because people come from all over, from all different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, upbringing. It, and- right. Good, bad, whatever you would call it. I mean, they, they, they're there and they bring those ideas. And it's, so it's when you get around the table and you're brainstorming an idea and, and they bring things, you might bring something that I've never thought about, you know, just the fact I see that you grew up and then, you know, you're an Indiana fan. You, you probably bring some different ideas from up there that, that's right. That I had done here. Well, and what's, what I like about that, cause you, some companies could say we are diverse in terms of race, gender, right. degrees. I mean, you could, you could show that a lot of ways, but what if those diverse people don't have a voice, right? So it doesn't matter what, it, what the numbers say necessarily, unless they actually have that voice. Now, Comment on this because I, I talk about this in our sessions a little bit. You just said appropriately. We want you. You might you might be twenty years old. You've been here for a week, and you might bring a good idea. But how should a new employee bring an idea when they're around senior people? And here's my point: If I go, well, Dean, I, <clears throat> I've been an airman now for like a week, and I think you guys are kind of stupid the way you're handling this like I know the best way to do this I can't believe you're still doing this the old-fashioned way or whatever what about that what's wrong with that approach because we're you know we're our listeners are new employees too so how should they bring an idea if they've got one well I think respect goes both ways right you respect those that are in those leadership positions as well as you respect that employee who's only been there a week Mm -hmm. and so it's just how you present that idea okay Hey, I'm starting to learn how, how we do things here and, and how this is what we've been, we've been doing to this point. Have we thought about looking at this or doing it this way, kind of shifting it yes. a little bit that way? Yeah, I like that. I, I've also heard, like, help, help me understand why we do it this way. Yes. Instead of, why do we do it this way? Right. Okay, that's a, it's the same question, but it, the, the whole delivery of that is very different. Right. Why in the world do we do it this way? Instead of help me understand why we have to, even if it's something like, why do we have to fill out this form? Yeah. And I think you and I grew up in an era, of course, where we might have been told because I told you to fill it out. That's right. And that sometimes that can be the right answer. It can be an effective answer. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, if I said, well, Dean, why do I have to fill out this form? And if you just went, well, just do it. I don't learn anything. Right. So I think that's important for leaders too. If someone asks why, as long as they ask in a respectful way, then that's a good thing. Right, because if you explain to them why, and I think, like you've mentioned, it's a generational thing, especially now. If you explain why we're doing it and get their buy-in, then it's going to be even better. Yeah, right. good. I got it. Yeah. You know, and, and the military, believe it or not, is doing that. Good. You know, our airmen need to understand why. Well, there could be, and there could be reasons that aren't obvious. Right. And even in the Caterpillar world, people go, this, this form what, takes 20 minutes to fill out. Well, but let me tell you, when you fill that out, right. here's where it, here's the next person that gets that. Right. And here's why that's really critical. And again, that's better than 
just do it because I told you to do it. That's right. Yeah. Um, kind of this last piece on diversity and wise counsel, you've also talked about more things get done if you're not worried about who gets credit for it. Right. And that, even in America, that might not seem normal, right? Because in America, we're about individuality and we want to succeed. And um, I talk about <clears throat> in our sessions sometimes when I lived in Japan, Japanese mindset's very different than the U.S. And they, they have this little saying, and I don't remember the Japanese phrase for it, but it's a picture of a block of wood with a bunch of nails in the wood. And one nail is higher than all the other nails. In America, we might go, well, that's the leader. Like, that, that's kind of who I want to be, the guy that stands out. The Japanese concept is I want to push that nail down so it's kind of harmony. Neither one is right or wrong, but they're different. So explain that what, about why, why it doesn't matter if, you know, who, what get, more gets done if you don't worry about the credit. What are you, what are you saying there? I'm saying that you're taking your value in everyone's inputs and you're working together to get the job done. If you're only worried about yourself and, and how you appear and what it looks like on the backside of a, accomplishment that I did this, I did, you use all the eyes in your, in your language. Those that helped you get there are going to recognize that right away. And they're probably not going to give you a hundred percent next time. Next time. Yeah. Right. So, you know, there's a, another part of that is if, yeah, if you don't care who gets the credit, look what you can do. But also, as a leader, if you're focused on giving those on your team the credit and recognizing that team for what they've done, they will perform even better next time, yeah. you know. So it's, such, it's showing people that you care about them, you know. And that's hard for people. I, I mean... I I think there's a lot of people in military, in business, in leadership jobs that have, have been elevated there because they got the job done. But what I'm hearing you say is if you want to get more jobs done and do, do them faster, higher quality, and accomplish more, then you got to get everybody on board. If it looks like you're the one that's getting it all done, yeah. you're, you're sub-optimizing the whole situation. That's right. It's okay as leaders say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I say that a lot. I, I don't. I don't know, but let's figure it out. You know. Yeah, and that's what I kind of coming full circle when I said you're a little different than what most people would think of military yeah. <clears throat> leaders. That could look like a sign of weakness yeah. to say I don't know. Yeah. But sure. but really, people are saying, okay, well, this person's real. They're humble. Yeah. They obviously have accomplished things because they're in the job you're in. Yeah. But he just said he doesn't know. Yeah. Which, and certainly in your world, that's life or death types of things. Right. I'd rather have somebody say, I don't know, or I need help. Right. Than look like the hero and have a catastrophe happen. Yeah, absolutely. But that's true in any business, really. We, and, and I think a little bit, again, either probably American culture to some extent, but, but also we were talking about this earlier, but there is a little bit of our society now that is about self-branding. It could be TikTok videos. It could be... Right. The, the cool thing is, I do love about our society today, a young person can start his or her own business pretty darn easily. If you and I wanted to start a business 30 years ago, we, we would have had to have a brick-and-mortar building, likely. We would have had a yellow page ad. We would have had to you know, put up billboards. We would have... I always think about even people, if they were doing woodworking, 
building furniture, building cabinets, building shelves. If they wanted to sell those 30 years ago, I would have had a sign out by my road that said, I build furniture, come look at it. Or I would have had to travel all around to little art fairs and stuff like that. Where now a 20 year old that does woodworking can you know, start an Etsy account and have a business. So there's great stuff about that. But there is a tendency to, to self-promote and to have a personal brand. And I think that might go a little opposite to what you just talked about because it, you're saying it's not always always about you. The, the people that don't get their name up on the on the billboard, so to speak, they're they're just as important or more important than the leader. Right. So as you're ending your career, were you always like this? Like were you always so what what made the transition for you? Wow. Well <laughs> no, I was not always like this. Um, I think one thing that made the, a big transition for me was my family. And, and I won't go into a lot of detail, but I had a, just something happened in our family that just kind of, we all started getting real with one another. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized that, you know what, I don't have the empathy that I should. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, you know, I've always heard you can't, you can't manufacture empathy. Well, maybe not, but I think people can truly change. And I think that uh, starting to look at things from other people's point of view, you know, turning your chair, if you've heard that analogy before, right? And so that those events, they, they opened my eyes for, to a lot of things, but to some shortcomings in my own life. And I realized that this is where I'm lacking. And so I need to be more humble. God gave me two, two ears and one mouth. Mm-hmm. I need to listen more. Love it. And, and so that was, a big, that was a big turning point for me. Well, thanks for sharing that. And so for just kind of wrapping this up, that's the point, right? It doesn't matter if you're 20 years old or 60. We all can change. We all can. If people say, oh, I'm too far gone or this is the way I've always done things. You know, I would challenge our listeners to just listen to what Dean just talked about. That in this case, it was a personal thing. And all of a sudden you went, no, is is that really who I want to be at work and at home? One of my mentors at at Caterpillar, he, you know, most people won't have this opportunity, but he he was known as a pain in the butt, basically. He was rough and he cussed people out and that kind of stuff. And he... He kind of had a awakening, so to speak. <clears throat> he he ended up having an all employee meeting, uh, about three thousand people in a building, and he got up in front of the room and and said, "I've kind of been a jerk for a lot of my career," and he said, "That's not who I want to be." But I was getting rewarded for results only, mm-hmm. and he says, "I'm not making excuses, but all I got rewarded on was getting product out the door, making money." So I didn't really care about the people side. But he said, I just realized that that's not who I want to be. And he got a standing ovation. And I thought, man, if this, he was kind of an old, crusty dude, right? He got up there and admitted that. And so we all, we don't have to do that. We don't don't have to have this big public, you know, apology or something like that. But I I love that story where you just, you you made a a right turn. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you were unsuccessful before at home or at work. But you went, I'm going to 
do something a different way. And I think that takes a lot of courage. So thanks for sharing that. So, yeah, um, Dean, we probably could talk to you for about four or five hours, but maybe we'll have you back for part two. Of course. Great. But, but thanks for sharing all that, sharing personal things. But um, wish you well in your next chapter, and I know you'll be successful whatever you do, but I'm just honored to know you. So thanks for being here. Well, thanks, and thanks for, for what your leadership and what you're doing for for all the workforce out there. You know, um, I just can't say thanks enough, and I'm a big fan of, of the lessons that VIP teaches uh, that not only benefit you in the workplace, but I think more importantly, benefit you at home. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for your future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.